0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of That's What People Do. I don't know if this is weekly or bi-weekly, I've completely lost track of the days. I'm James Kay and I'm joined by Ryan McGowan. As always, how's your day been, Ryan?
1: It's been very long, an early start, but uh, we're, I'm here, I'm recording. Uh, it, it, this is We're still currently on the bi-weekly schedule, but that hopefully we're, we're looking to change that again soon. Hopefully,
0: mm, I think it can. I think it can. We- we've discussed it, and usually when we discuss things, it tends to happen. So <laughs> I don't see why it can't. But we'll 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 work it out. I don't want to make any promises.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Now you you were tasked specifically uh to write an episode about a German that wasn't a Nazi
0: yeah that is correct yes so um my housemate Luca, or who i hope is listening because if not this whole endeavor has been a fucking giant waste of time uh <laughs> she is german and it became very clear to me that the only germans i've ever written about have been nazis every single one of them i mean ryan has covered some sophie scholl um i think might be our only other one
1: i think so Karl yeah. marx
0: you did Karl marx i did i did so good yeah. people all around Mm, that, there's some question marks on Karl <laughs> Marx, but yep. <laughs> uh, but I, I tend to go with the bloodthirsty Nazis. So I have tasked myself with finding a German who wasn't a Nazi. And we've already discussed this, and Ryan's really going to try and call me out on that. But I think I've got my <laughs> response. So we're talking about Mercedes-Benz. And before you switch off, I don't know what people are going to be doing. They're going to be like, oh, it's a fucking car episode. Like, stop and just wait. Because this story is pretty cool. And it's about a landmark moment that changed human history forever. And it's not all about cars and like German engineering. There's also a a really nice love story involved as well. Um, It's a story of two people who were definitely destined to be with one another, uh, another. And they're both incredibly pivotal in the part of future automobiles. So, yeah, there's a nice little love story in amongst the cars, so there's something for everyone. And we've, we've done another car episode with uh, Enzo Ferrari. and Enzo
1: Ferrari, yeah, yeah. found out some genuinely interesting stuff about him, where um, the, the the prancing horse, we always think, oh, the prancing oh, horse, yeah, yeah, yeah. Italian. It's like, no, it was German. It was given to them by the family of a German fighter
0: pilot during the First World War. Wow. That is correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where it comes from. Mad, isn't it? You see, everyone thinks cars are boring, but there's so much history there. Um, I'm just going to make my way through the F1 paddock. Red Bull might be a bit shit, but apart from that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it might be quite interesting. So, without much further ado, let's begin. And also, um, just a little disclaimer, if you do get through the episode, which you will because it's really good and it's me, there is a little another little episode at the end which is actually quite a funny story that you can tell your friends down the pub. We, this week, are talking about Mercedes-Benz. We all know Mercedes-Benz. It's one of the most famous cars in the world. They're still going today. They've got F1 teams. They've got a massive factory in Stuttgart in Germany. And it was actually the first automobile... Well, no, I'm going to correct myself already. The Mercedes-Benz was not the first automobile uh, created. The Benz was. But this is where it gets fascinating, Ryan. And it was created in the 1800s in Germany. So this story is going to have sort of two intertwining parts. We've got Carl Benz and Bertha Benz. Who are obviously a married couple, but we'll yeah. begin with Carl. Carl Friedrich Benz was born on November twenty fifth, eighteen forty four, in Karlsruhe, Baden. I'm so, I'm literally going to decimate all these German pronunciations, and I'm I can anticipate the messages I'm going to get. I and thought, Bertha Benz was born. Huh.
1: I thought you were learning German.
0: Yeah, I was, Ryan. Right. I can order a coffee with milk. Excellent. Can Can quickly? Hmm. Can you just say it? Cafe mit milk, bitter.
1: Brilliant. Four words.
0: Yeah, <laughs> or if you want tea, it's just tea. Is it really? Tea with milk, bitter. Bitter is please. Dankers, thank you. I could get by. I couldn't at all. Just speak loudly and slowly. I'm English. Anyway, they were both influential in the world of automobiles. Carl's father, Johann, was a locomotive driver. Which, if you're unsure what that is, it's trains. Uh, but he died when Carl was two, so Carl was raised entirely by his mother. As expected, he had a keen interest in mechanical engineering and enrolled in Karlsruhe enrolled at Karlsruhe University when he was 15 and eventually graduated with a degree in medical engineering at the age of 19. However, just because he graduated with a degree doesn't mean that his first car was right around the corner. In fact, it was quite the opposite. He did what most of us do when we come out of university and just not have a fucking clue what to do with their lives. Yeah. He tried many jobs over the next several years in many firms throughout Germany, but none of them really tickled his fancy. So this is kind of another slow-burner inventor, if you, if you will. We had the same with Disney. I think we had the same with Ferrari. I don't think anyone's ever born into greatness. They really have to work for it, is the model of this story early on. Yeah. What? In 1871, he partnered with a chap called August Ritter and opened a mechanical workshop in Mannheim, really going to interject here, Uh, I've actually been to Mannheim, so I can really relate with this story. Whereabouts is Mannheim? North, south, east, west? So so what happened, Ryan, is I was somewhere else in Germany and Mannheim was my connecting train, (laughs) so I've seen the train station.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's like, um, I've been to Leicester uh, only because it was a stop on the way to Nottingham on a bus.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you've been, and that's important. To be fair, I had to get off the tram outside the station and then go into the station, and the station's lovely. That's what I can remember. There you go. I also have a lot of beef with German trains. Everyone thinks German trains are efficient, but it's just not, it's not true. Uh,
1: my only experience with German trains is in Berlin uh, and their S-Bahn. That's, oh, actually, no, I used the U-Bahn once, but their S-Bahn, I think, is the one I use the most. Um, mm. And for the most part, it was, it was fairly... Regular and are reliable. The only thing I find weird. Apparently, this is not just a German thing. This is this could be found uh through quite a lot of Europe. Um, stamping your tickets after you've bought them, otherwise they're not valid. What? This was a thing in Berlin uh where you buy a ticket to your destination, but if you yeah. and there's a there's a hole punch machine right next to the ticket machine, and if you don't hole punch it, that apparently means it's not valid. Because uh, they don't have ticket machines everywhere. So you just buy your ticket and you've got it in your hand. If you just then go on the train and they go, oh, I can have you to see your ticket, please. You give it to them. They can issue you with quite a hefty fine because they'll say, well, this isn't valid. You like, Why?
0: Because you haven't hole punched it. I don't
1: understand it, but that's
0: a thing, apparently. What sort of medieval system is that? I suppose it's so you can't just give your ticket to someone else if they don't have like barriers and stuff. Oh, that's a, yeah, that makes sense, actually. But then just have barriers. I mean, I, I get the logic, but yeah have barriers have i mean i hate barriers then if i if barriers didn't exist i would never pay for a ticket ever no exactly that's why you gotta have a hole puncher but no make
1: barriers (laughs) make barriers and then you're making jobs because someone's got to make the barriers someone's got to install those barriers and then someone has to man the barriers hey see yeah germany man come on i
0: didn't know that i i had all my tickets on my phone on the little app so oh maybe that's the thing but yeah no i found that bizarre yeah i uh the ICE trains were good on the way back and the trams were fine, but on the way to my uh, visit my friends, I got off the plane at Frankfurt, which is a fucking massive airport, and I went to the train station. And this is the first interaction I ever had with a German person that, like, in Germany, which I find hilarious. Uh, I was standing at the train station and I was trying to work out where the fuck I was going because I had no idea because all the signs are in German. And this woman came up to me, clearly also struggling. And she started speaking to me in German, like, asking for help. And I just looked her dead in the eye and went, I'm really sorry I'm English. And she tutted at me and looked me up and down. Wow. And I was like, wow. I don't need that kind of sass. Yeah. How dare you go there and not even learn to speak at all? It's disgusting. But then I was translating the board. You know, what? what everyone has electronic boards that tells you when the trains are coming. Yeah. And the train just said, arriving soon. What kind of fucking... What, what message... Arriving soon! <laughs> <laughs> yeah give me a time you don't tell me it's arriving soon is so subjective
1: yeah it's like calling up work being like, i'm gonna be late well how late well just soon
0: yeah and then because that arrived soon which was not my definition of soon it took <laughs> fucking ages and it was packed i missed my connecting train in mainz my phone was on like five percent battery so I was just stranded in my station. I went for a McDonald's just to sort of calm down and gather my thoughts. And eventually I got on this fucking random train, which sort of took me in the general direction of where I needed to go. And luckily my friend then came and picked me up from there.
1: Brilliant. But,
0: oh, honestly, I was, I was not happy.
1: <laughs> Don't let James uh, give you directions to anywhere.
0: I'm great with directions. I just expect transport to work on time. And I live in Britain, so that's clearly never going to happen here either. But I say, I, I don't know. know where I expected more.
1: I don't know where you've uh, developed that kind of expectation. Considering in the UK, we have the, possibly the worst train system network in the world, bar America.
0: We do, but then you get to London and the London Underground. I'll never stop singing its praises.
1: The Underground is fantastic.
0: What a system!
1: We have massively we missed one gone train. Off course. There's another one two minutes later. Yeah, I never understand. Sorry, We're, we've gone massively, of course, here, but I
0: will never ever understand someone running for a tube. Right? No, I get this as well. When and then miss it, and it's like the the world has ended. It's like, Honestly, bro, just stand still for two minutes, and another one is on its way. Indiana- if you're going to be late to work for that two minutes, just redo your morning and leave yeah, two minutes earlier. Exactly,
1: leave earlier. If that's the one you've got to get, you need to leave earlier. But you know, when Indiana Jones always sort of like slides under a door and then grabs his hat. Mm. Londoners yeah. will leave it even longer before sliding under that door and then complain that they didn't make the train. Uh, just yeah. wait. There's going to be literally one in a minute. I can see the board and it says one minute. And it, Or sometimes yeah. it's just sat in the tube in the tunnel waiting to come in. You're like, yeah. oh, man, never understood that. Never understood it. Don't run for a tube. If you're late, you're late. It, it, just make better life choices tomorrow. Anyway. Exactly. What a fucking... <laughs>
0: what a what a diversion that was so yeah he's uh he opened a workshop in Mannheim, is how he got onto that tangent um (laughs) alas this business wasn't that great and within a year they were out of money and this is when he meets the most important person he will ever meet a young woman named bertha ringer Bertha. bertha was an incredibly driven young woman determined to prove to the world that women can also have big impacts in the world of engineering Her drive may have stemmed from the fact that when she was younger, and this is a legend, but I'm going to just declare it true because it's fun, she stumbled across a Bible which had written in it, unfortunately, only a girl again. It was in her father's handwriting and was written on the day she was born. Oh, I've just realised what that meant. Yeah, so her dad wanted a boy.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you never write that down. Never write your stuff down.
0: Think it. No, and date it in a Bible. Also, yeah, it's a Bible. It. It's
1: not a bloody diary. <laughs> Christ. Uh,
0: what was he on? Anyway, uh, one perk of her father, however, was that he was absolutely loaded. So when the time came to marry, she would bring a very large dowry with her. Now, a dowry is money to be made from the bride's father to the groom on the wedding day. It's sort of like a archaic th- thing like where marriage is very much the woman is the possession and the man is paid to sort of... It's so stupid. Take ownership of (laughs) her,
1: please. Take her. I will give you a vast amount of money to have her.
0: I mean, this is what I think about weddings nowadays. Like the father giving away the bride, that's still very much like she's your possession now. It it, there's still a lot wrong with it. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Dowries, sure, I can see that being a possession thing because you are literally selling something for something but a father give it i suppose it's just saying listen this is my baby this is my child please look after her and i'm 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 passing the the protection or or, or that sort of caregiving role on to you uh, i see it like that but maybe i'm
0: uh, no that is the nice way of looking at it but i think it was intended back in the day as a as a possession thing but anyway sure, keep getting yeah. married folks it's nice In 1869, fate decided to make its move, and Carl and Bertha found themselves on the same coach. And now I know what you're thinking about coaches, it it had horses. Like, this is all about making cars. Carl, a pretty grubby, poor engineer, and Bertha, a very beautiful, wealthy young woman, began talking. They began discussing engineering, and for Bertha, it was a breath of fresh air that a man would talk so openly with her about this, and have genuine interest in what she had to say. Carl laid out his dreams of developing a horseless carriage, and that ambition sealed the deal. Bertha's parents were not convinced by Carl and really attempted to talk her out of the relationship, but Bertha had her heart completely set on him.
1: Yeah, she was just she was just like that typical rich girl who's just like, you know, seen some scumbag on the street and just been like, Oh, you're a bit different. I can change him. I <laughs> I can change him. Yeah, yeah. Just oh that's that different and she just likes it. And it just lucky it worked out. I find that so bizarre that they managed to find themselves on the same coach.
0: Yeah, but like I, I hear what you're saying, but the way that she is plays her her role in this story. I, I like I genuinely believe they were sort of destined to meet in some sort of really romantic way.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like when you're trying to order an Uber and there's already someone in it. You're
0: like, excuse me. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's sure. It's exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> Where are you going? uh Uber pools are mad. They're mad.
1: Nah. No way, I'd rather pay the extra and just get it to myself. And then, even then, I have to sit there and awkwardly not talk to the driver.
0: Yeah, I had an Uber driver the other day who talked me through the entire business model of Uber like I'd never known what it was before.
1: Wait, he knows the business model of Uber yet still works for Uber.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was fully complaining about it. It's funny though, I gave yeah. him five stars. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> So, in 1872, the couple were married, and this is where Bertha really showed her support of her new husband's work by using a dowry to buy out August Ritter and then keep the business afloat whilst Carl worked on his ideas. Benz created the first two-stroke engine. Now, I'm in no way a fucking engineer, Ryan. You have much more knowledge on me than this. Um, but I'll explain it the best I can. A two-stroke engine completes a power cycle with two strokes of a piston, and Benz is used gasoline. I got that off the internet. <laughs> I didn't change uh, any words there. I just got happened, all of that uh, off the internet.
1: I I don't know too much. No, uh, I work at a go kart track and I kind of can put together a go kart, but I don't really necessarily <laughs> know how it kind of works. But the piston, uh, when it's uh, when it when a piston pulls down, it like creates a vacuum, and then when it comes back up, uh, it can. The, I don't know. Some, that's that's where like then the spark plug comes into play, creates a spark which ignites the. Uh, the gases that were pulled down by the piston and then it pushes the piston back up again and that expels all the gases that come out the exhaust and it makes things go. I, I-, I think that's how it goes.
0: Okay, I'm also confused, but we're not going to be testing mechanical knowledge, so that's okay. No. <laughs> no. Uh, he was heavily inspired by Niklaus Otto, another German engineer who had previously created the four-stroke engine. So Benz did it in just two strokes, which I imagine is really good.
1: Ben's didn't Uh, stop there. Isn't isn't more always better?
0: Uh, Not if you're playing golf, Ryan.
1: Ah, yes. Or darts. Or or, what? Wait, no, darts, you have to get down to zero, don't you? Yeah. But more is better, because you have to score more to get... Oh, for God's sake. Carry on.
0: I don't know. My golf one works. I'm not sure what you're doing. Anyway... (laughs) Benz didn't stop there, and he essentially created the engine we are all familiar with today, one that fires up via a battery system. Now, me and Ryan, there's so many fucking asides in this episode, it's wonderful. Me and Ryan actually were once together when his car battery died, and ended up having to, like, push oh, it down yeah. the fucking hill. That was funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: My old Cleo, good Clio.
0: Yeah, that was, a, that was an amusing day. Anyway, uh, Benz knew he was attracting investors and changed the name of his business to, oh, here we go, Gas Motor and Fabric Mannheim. Smashed it. Alas, wow. he now only owned 5% of the company and had no say in what was developed and sold. So naturally, he left. Carl met Max Rose and Friedrich Wilhelm Esslinger and started a new company called... Oh, here we go again. The Benz & Company Rheinshire Gas Mo- Motor and Fabric. You were doing so well. Uh, yeah, really, gonna, we're going to rewind. The Benz & Company Rheinische Gas Motor and Fabric. Well done. Or fabric. It wouldn't be fabric in German, would it? Be fabric. It's quite an aggressive language. The yeah, on company. gas motor, and fabric, fabric. Yeah, there we go.
1: <laughs> Apparently, that's a thing where, like, if you want to kind of uh, get to find out how have a particular nation says a particular word, you just sometimes just do a vague accent, and you'll pretty you'll be pretty close.
0: If I have to find out German pronunciation things, I just make myself really angry and just talk in that way. Brilliant. and it is it, it, it usually it's usually now non. such a stereotype <laughs> there's such an aggressive people aren't they? <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> this was supposed to be an episode support in germany and i'm just
1: gonna fuck yeah sake. so if you're not if you're not writing an episode about how the nazis were the worst of the worst you're asked to write a good german and then even then you've just made them
0: sound worse anyway. <laughs> I I'll love the Germans. Up. It's the fr- No, I love the Germans. I think they're great. I have more German merchandise than I do English. Well, we're, we're going to call that company Benz & Co. for ease. Um, the business proved to be successful. Selling engines allowed Benz to focus on what he wanted, which was obviously building a car. Mm. The Benz po- uh, patent of the Motorwagen. Notice the pronunciation there. That's it could be good. pronounced motorwagen but I'm going to go Motorwagen. Uh, was created. It had three wheels and two seats. There was a voice crack there. And basically (laughs) looked nothing like a car. I've actually lost my fucking mind. However, it was powered entirely by his engine. So it's largely believed that despite this is the first... No, it's largely believed that this is the first car ever created. It had a staggering 0.75 horsepower and could reach a whopping 10 miles an hour. I
1: like that. Because doesn't horsepower come from... The idea is it being this is the equivalent of a horse, and then an engine I, I, that's can. That's what I've better. always assumed. Yeah, I've always thought it was that. Mm. so It'd be like, oh, it's got three hundred brake horsepower or something. Like, oh, so it's the equivalent of what three horses pulling three hundred horses pulling it along? No, I, I think that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even even at that, I, point I, that's what I've imagined. Even at that point, as innovative as it was, you're still better off just riding a horse.
0: Yeah, it's, it's worth three quarters of a horse. He soon had this patented, and thus was the first automobile ever made. But there are disputes as to whether this was the first automobile, and as always on this podcast, I'm going to stay completely unbiased by saying absolutely yes it was. There were some French investors, a Scotsman and a Belgian, who had all motorised vehicles before, but they weren't available for the public to buy, and also had a tendency to blow up. Also, this week we're focusing on the good of Germany, apparently, and its engineering, so everyone else can sort of just wait their turn. (laughs) Uh, However, special shout out to Gottlieb Daimler and Wilhelm Maybach, who will also feature later in the story, who were working on their own car, not that far from Benz, but got there just a couple of months too late. Unlucky chaps. When did Ford come out? Ford was the first ever, like, mass-produced car, if you know what I mean, and that was... 1910s 1920s 1903 it was founded hmm yeah i think they they had a interesting but then they changed their business model to be like the first mass-produced car that everyone could buy yeah that's
1: they had a clever little thing apparently where you didn't get paid for your work time you got paid for your breaks or something so like the incentive was to work really quick so you could go on a break yeah (laughs) so they just get stuff done
0: i like that Uh, they were the first people to do a production line as well that was it Mm. Henry Ford would be a great episode as well but I won't do another car for a while (laughs) Carl did what all car manufacturers do and set out immediately producing new models however this was the 1800s and everyone appeared to laugh at the idea of automobiles and no one really bought them there was a general consensus that these cars will have no place in the future and there was simply a fad that would die out the engines were selling but not the car this is where Bertha steps up Realising that the car needed some good PR in order to gain the attention of the rich elite, because obviously the cars were very expensive, she took it upon herself to provide that. Car was the part of the marriage that thought everything through meticulously, whereas Bertha was the one who would go out and just get shit done. In 1888, Bertha got behind the wheel of the Benz Motorwagen and did what no one thought possible. She embarked on the first ever long-distance journey done by car. Now, obviously, with modern stereotypes and just sexism inherent in society, I think it's pretty cool that the first proper long-distance drive of a car was done by a woman. Yeah. Bertha did not inform Carl of her plans, and technically what she did was illegal. She brought her two sons with her and left Mannheim with the intention of seeing her mother in Forsheim. This is a 66-mile journey. Now, I know we've got American listeners, and 66 miles to you guys is basically like just going to the shop real quick. And even in England, 66 miles isn't considered that far. But, like, think about the logistics of the time. This car was not supposed to travel that distance without exploding, and it had just never been done by anyone, anywhere, ever. Obviously, the roads weren't great, and a lot of them were ancient Roman roads, and they really weren't designed for cars. But... How do you fuel this with absolutely no petrol stations? The car needed filling every 15 to 20 miles and the fuel was accessible in chemists. She caused quite the stir whenever she stopped at a town and asked for fuel and after much deliberation, they gave her a few litres. This chemist, or the first one, uh, or otherwise called the apothecary, is situated in Vislock and is still there today and outside has the monument of Bertha and her two sons and refers to itself as the world's first petrol station. Uh. Mm, I've seen the pictures. It's really cool. It looks like a proper quaint little German town. Looks lovely. I like that. This journey wasn't all plain sailing, however, and the car encountered many issues. Some of which needed fixing at blacksmiths, and Bertha herself tended to some problems. On some steep hills, the boys had to get out and push. The sixty-six mile journey took twelve hours, but they made it. Wow. Yeah, long time. News got out of this yes. journey, and Bertha has succeeded in doing what she set out to do. People were actually incredibly impressed by this automobile, and opinions began to change about the future of travel. Of course, the 66-mile journey needed to be replicated to get home. So two days later, she was. Uh, this was accomplished, taking a different route. And now this route today is a World Heritage driving route, and many classic cars do the 120-odd-mile journey. And I think every two years there is, there's a parade, and they all go around and do it together.
1: Well, that's really cool. Yeah. I like that. I like that story a lot, actually. I love the idea of him just being like, "Oh, it's it's not going to work. Oh, I need to I need to go back to the drawing board." She's like, "Women are great, man. Women are just be like, why don't you just do that?" And he's like, "No, no, no, no. You you wouldn't understand. You just don't get it." And she's like, do "You know what? Fuck him." And he just like gets in the car. Kids, get in. We're going. <laughs>
0: behind every that. great man is a great woman. Uh,
1: yes, as as the saying goes.
0: Or behind every great man's a woman rolling her eyes. As the other saying goes. Uh, uh, I don't know that one. (laughs) Um, I know that one well. (laughs) So now the car was in the... Sorry. (laughs) uh,
1: No, nothing. No,
0: carry on. No, 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 you've got to say it now.
1: Uh, Well, I was just going to say, obviously, the the phrase behind every great man is a great woman. But obviously, quite a lot of those men... uh, are also, as, as old medieval kings would have them as favourites. They would have a, a favourite. So behind every great man is always a great woman, but oftentimes there's quite a lot of men.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just am <laughs> not yeah, sure what's <laughs> that, par- that apart from, yeah. 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 <laughs> Good stuff. This episode's fucking weird, man. It's just supposed to be about cars. <laughs> <Yeah>. Anyway... <laughs> So now the car was in the spotlight, how does one sell it? Well, this is where Carl falls down. He had pretty poor business acumen. Car sales in Germany were not good. However, it was actually doing quite well in France. And to try and gain support, he'd sign the car up for racing events. However, there was some beef with a Frenchman named Emile Roger. Roger had the license to sell the Benz cars in France. However, he began trying to play it off as his own work. He'd replaced the badges with his own and had everyone refer to them as Roger cars. He gave uh. absolutely no credit to Ben's whatsoever. Basically, just a that, massive prick.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a radic dick move. Is that like with Vauxhall and Opal?
0: I've no idea.
1: You know Opal. You know, every like uh, sometimes you'll come across like a Vauxhall Corsa i Corsa. Be like, but why is there like a circle badge with like what looks like a Z in the middle of it, and it's Opal, different company.
0: Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's two different like, strands of the business. Anyway, Mm. in 1890, Benz was the second largest engine manufacturer in Germany, and his new designs, such as the Benz Velo, really took off. They were more comfortable, reliable, and sort of looked more like what you'd expect a car to be. So throughout all of this, where does Mercedes come from? Like The name Mercedes, where does that come from? Well, if you remember the two German blokes I mentioned earlier who were making cars, Gottlieb Daimler and Wilhelm Maybach, Daimler died in 1900, but Maybach carried on producing cars. He was commissioned by Emil Jelinek, an Austrian businessman, to build the 35 hp, a new car. Jelinek was very hands-on in the development of these cars, and his daughter was named Mercedes. So there you go. One of the world's most famous car names is named as such because a rich businessman doted upon his daughter.
1: Oh, so her net so Mercedes then—is a legit name?
0: Is it? Yes, it was a, it was his daughter's name
1: not just sort of working class British people calling their daughters Mercedes because it sounds nice as a a nice car
0: no in the early 1900s there were there were Mercedes kicking about oh right the the person Mercedes came first
1: exactly yeah so uh, that makes sense oh I'm not gonna feel so uh judgmental when I see someone called Mercedes
0: (laughs) no it's an actual name (laughs) okay (laughs) Carl Benz and his sons set up a new company and found that his cars were popular in England as Taxis. The company lasted until the 1920s although Carl retired in 1912. But now obviously we're in 1920s Germany and as we've covered many times in various episodes this was not a good time for Germany and the economy was on the floor. So how did the two rival companies survive? Well they decided to team up. Daimler-Benz was formed in the late nineteen twenties, and the sales were doing very well. And all the cars were marketed as Mercedes-Benz, a brand that is still going very strong today. And in fact, the um, Daimler company is is still a thing; still owns Mercedes. Yeah, it's
1: like a certain. Uh... Different section or part of it, isn't it? You could buy a Daimler mm. Benz or something, it's like a fancier. I think version.
0: Daimler is the name from what I saw. Daimler is the name of the actual company, and then, yeah, Mercedes Benz is, is the car. Um. Yeah, so yeah, if you want to, if you want to, in fact, we'll do that. I'll let you know. At the age of 84, Carl died at home in Leidenberg on April 4th, 1929. Berthun drawed on and died one year before the end of the Second World War on May 5th, 1944. In the same home. So go on, Ryan, bring up the Nazis.
1: <laughs> so, uh, we, when we were having our pre record chat, um, was going on about how James has obviously got to find uh, a good German because he only talks about the nasty ones. Um, and I was like, you've managed to pick the Mercedes Benz family and like the, the car that Hitler loves the most, other than the one that he created, Volkswagen. Uh, you've managed to pick the one car that he's pictured in the most, which is a Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> hmm. um, and then I and then I questioned uh, whether, although like, because you know, and, and James, James brought up the really good point and it is a good point. A lot of companies in Germany at the time didn't really have a choice and kind of had to work. It's their country that they're working in and it just happens to be owned by a bell end. Uh, so you kind of have to work with them. So I did a quick little search, and apparently Mercedes-Benz um, during uh, the Second World War used forced labour from concentration camps. Uh, so I don't know how much, uh, that was only a quick search, I wonder if we looked in deeper, what we would show to what extent that was done. But, um, yeah, I imagine many parts, or maybe cars were fitted with slave labour. Um,
0: so yeah. I th- I, mean, I think my it... response Go on. My response to this is Karl died in 1929, so he had no part in the Second World War. So that's cool. Bertha also definitely didn't really have any part in it. Um in terms of the forced labor, I think uh, I think if you researched it, uh, 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 most German companies will have done the same. I think when they were sent to work camps, especially for Mercedes, who I have no doubt were utilised during the war and they had to make engine parts and stuff for the war effort, there would have been forced labour from the concentration camps to build that type of stuff anyway. So it would been they would have been sent to Mercedes factories and had it under that name. Um, I don't think it makes it a Nazi company. I think it makes it a company that sort of found itself in the wrong place at the wrong time and didn't really have a choice. There would have been completely dismantled if they refused
1: mm, possibly <laughs> But and then looking over at mr ferdinand porsche just being like please give me another contract mr nazi man i love it and then he's making tanks mm. and everything for him i am um, i'll tell I'm, you what I'm, i love it so much i'll, I'll make you your people's car because isn't it ferdinand porsche designed the volkswagen the beetle the original one i have no idea i believe that to be true Cause he loved it. Yeah, I'm loved gonna
0: it. I'm gonna give Mercedes Benz uh, the benefit of the doubt. And like, to be fair, I would say 95 percent of the, I've just made that stick up out of my asshole. But most Germans at the time did not want anything to do with the war. They they like they didn't want to be there. And I think I think it's very unfair. And I know I'm the one that talks about the Nazis all the fucking time, and it's because <laughs> I'm really fascinated by that area of history. Like, sue me, I find it really interesting. Yeah. But I think it's really unfair to label. Germans as Nazis because they weren't for the, they were fighting for the same reason that like our grandparents were fighting they were told to no one wanted to go over and blow the shit out of each other and I remember yeah. speaking to Luca about this and I found it fascinating and she was telling me all about, about her grandparents stories and I was telling her about my well not, her great-grandparents stories or, or I forget who it was and my great-grandparents stories and the fact that now we can sit in a living room together and our great-grandparents were at war with one another I think is fascinating and her she was telling me her grandma used to tell her stories of um having ash fall down from the crematoriums but you couldn't oh. say anything because you'd, you'd get killed
1: yeah no it's fascinating uh, also i find um you know how if in today's uh current conflict many many russians as you've james discovered a lot of russian people um are ringing up relatives in ukraine and being like why are you lying about the war and and we Mm -hmm. live in an age with facebook and twitter where you can find out almost anything instantly um imagine living in an era where that doesn't exist and all you know is what your local official or your newspaper has told and then you find out that that local official and the newspaper and all the media is controlled by the person who wants to tell you what they want to tell you and that's it how else would you find things out
0: yeah, it's very easy to blame the people of a country for atrocities, but the fact of the matter is, it was Hitler and his cronies. I was um, the- I, I I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and they were
1: talking about how during the Second World War, an attempt by uh, the Allies was to um, uh, leaflet bomb pornography over German streets and whatnot, <laughs> just like mm. l- lewd images and pictures. And on um in another instance, they uh, leaflet bond over a bunch of soldiers. And in the leaflet, it says how uh German women, um whilst their boyfriends and husbands are all away, are cheating on them to try and demoralise the men. I find that fascinating. Wow. <laughs> to be like, oh, do you know what? Fuck it's this. I've got to go back. For... I've, I've got to go back to Bertha. I need to find out. <laughs> Just like stands yeah. up, gets shot. Because he's so... Oh, God, I'm not with it. And then everyone starts freaking out. I like that. I love I think that's a fantastic
0: idea. I mean, it's definitely a way to break morale, isn't it? Um, But if all the men are away, who are they cheating with? Or whoever's left. (laughs) Yeah, the the deserters. But yeah, um, not all Germans are Nazis. In fact, I would dare say the vast majority of them weren't. And even nowadays, if you look at Nazis that exist now... I would say, I don't, I don't want to say there's none in Germany, but I'd say that's they've probably got the one of the lowest percentages out of anywhere because they educate well, Mm. and to make sure it never happens, I I dare say Eastern Europe and America are probably the countries that have (laughs) the most Nazis. I was gonna
1: say, all our American listeners are just sort of just like slowly backing into the bush
0: right now. (laughs) And this is another thing, right? If we're talking about the fucking Nazis, you can't shit on them and shit on the german people and then be like actually their scientists were really great and then ship them all over to america and help you land on the fucking moon it doesn't work like that and that's exactly what they did america would not have landed on the moon if it wasn't for nazi scientists you can't just pick and choose who you want
1: it is fascinating listen operation paperclip is a fascinating era of history and it is genuinely something that i would like to delve into a bit deeper sometime in the future um But just the idea that it doesn't matter what you've done, it's what you could bring to us. And also, think of um, a lot of the stuff that Nazi scientists and uh, medical people found out and discovered are things that could not have ever been discovered without the deaths of so many hundreds of thousands of people suffering. Uh, So it's one of those, it's like... uh, uh, forbidden knowledge it's knowledge that we just should not know but we do unfortunately and they were like do you know what the knowledge is too valuable uh so fuck the morality we want the knowledge and we'll take all the shit that comes with it and it's an interesting philosophical question because I, I think there's like one story of a guy who was di- directly responsible for like 30 plus thousand deaths and yet he got uh us citizenship passport the lot and then ended up just having a cushy job working with the military and you think wow that's that's how that went
0: yeah it, it it's mad and like i I i think in my youth i was very guilty of well of as well of like tarnishing people with the same brush and i think as you get older you tend not to and i i genuinely believe that Meeting people from other countries is the most important thing you can possibly do, and learning their experiences.
1: Oh, I because
0: agree. obviously, especially during football tournaments, England becomes such a fucking great place to be. It's but the second we lose, it is the worst place to be. Yeah. Because the racism goes through the roof. If we lose to Germany, everyone will be called a Nazi. Luca was telling me she's been called a Nazi so many times, and it's just so unfair. Mm. And. I, I, it, it 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 makes me really sad thinking about it, actually the fact that these people committed to killing six million people, and you're calling someone a Nazi because your fucking football team lost.
1: Yeah, it's it's
0: dumbing it. It's just a grow the fuck up. Oh, I've got this was a happy episode, and now I've gone on a rant. <laughs> Massive rant. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, so just stop calling people Nazis, man. It's not cool. Yeah
1: yeah just don't do it
0: yeah it, it, unless they are literally a nazi unless
1: they are actually a nazi then yeah don't go, don't go calling them uh although i heard uh obviously the russians are calling all ukrainians nazis apparently they're calling uh, sweden uh nazis at the moment because they're they're potentially going to join nato so oh, well, they're nazis too so so, so <laughs> stop calling people in, nazis in-
0: uh, for for my masters, obviously, I'm doing journalism and we're covering or we covered Ukraine. um I think i'm I think I'm involved in a project at the minute that's still covering Ukraine. I don't really know what's going on there, but um I've been talking to one woman called Katerina and she's in Ukraine right now. She's Ukrainian and we're talking via Google Translate. It's a fascinating exchange. And her stories are heartbreaking. I, I know the Russians are calling, and I, I I know I don't have to justify this to anyone because I have no doubts all of our listeners are firmly anti-war. But she was telling me that she had to flee her home. Uh, She has spoken to young women who have been raped. And when I say young women, I'm talking 16 below. Uh, She sent me pictures of bodies just littering the street of her fucking workplace blown up. And like that to me is when it really hit home, because I know you can find stuff on social media, but I don't think our news shows war for what it is. But if you actually like actively go out and seek to speak to the people who are there and it you don't have to be a journalist to do it. It's so accessible and people want to talk. It's heartbreaking. Like she'll randomly send me messages. I've been speaking to her for a few weeks. I'll randomly get a message from her explaining what's happening, what's going on, um, what the Russians are doing. She, she is the most incredible woman I think I've ever spoke to because she is refusing to leave Ukraine and her in her own words, she, they, they're going to have to kill her. Mm
1: yeah uh, it's, it's heartbreaking but
0: it's yeah it's it's I, the other day we were on our way to see a a comedian romesh nathan had a great night um and on the way there she sent me pictures just loads and loads of pictures of bodies littering the street and i thought fuck uh, we hadn't seen this anywhere and the next day is when it all came out on our social media about like you know the possible genocide and that sort of stuff mm i was like she she knew about this days before like why is our media only really just picked up on this uh,
1: to, to be the fair I'd... and obviously you'll understand this we we have to verify stuff obviously before we put it out we can't just say things and
0: oh yeah of course
1: but yeah how did we get to this from Carl Benz?
0: i don't know this has been a fascinating conversation i've still got more of the episode to do as well <laughs> all right what have we got left i think the moral is don't call people nazis um <laughs> Uh, I'm going to finish off the Mercedes bit really quickly last little bit the main base of Mercedes-Benz or Daimler which is the company that owns it is based in Stuttgart or more specifically Bad Kanstadt, probably oh. Daimler has uh, been based here since 1903 and the automobile company is of great importance to the region Mercedes done great story powerful love story between Bertha and Carl adorable right this is the fun little part and this also includes Nazis oh. briefly <laughs> Don't mention the so Right. In 1930, if it takes place in 1930s Germany, you can't escape it. So what we're going to do real quick, do, are you aware of the story of Adidas and Puma or Puma should I say? I am vaguely aware. Okay, it's it's a I remember Luca mentioned this to me briefly and I had to look it up. It's a, it's a wonderful They're, they're brothers, it's a are they not? Story. They are. So Adidas and Puma are world-famous companies. That they fucking hate each other <laughs> so adolf and rudolf dassler were brothers and in the 1920s were running a shoe shop together in a small town in germany after the first world war adi who i'm gonna use adolf but i'm gonna call him adi to differentiate uh, began making cheap shoes in his laundry room for those who couldn't afford the big brands he brought his brother on board to help him with the business side of things however as brothers do they argued Rudolf claims this is because Adi's new wife was too heavily involved in the business and she would later go on to become a CEO in the 80s. Brilliant. Obviously, no story in Germany in the 1920s and 30s can get away from the Nazi party. Hitler demanded a strong focus on athleticism which played into the hands of the two brothers, whose businesses were actually doing really well and they were both members of the Nazi party. Doesn't mean they were part of the... Don't boycott Adidas is what I'm saying. They mainly did this to carry on their businesses. As we've discussed in great detail earlier, you just had to do what you had to do. Um, but despite knowing the possible repercussions, Addy approached Jesse Owens. If you're not sure who Jesse Owens is, in the 1936, what is called the Nazi Olympic Games in Berlin, Jesse Owens was the black man who won gold in the 100 metres and uh, did the Black Power. Suit.
1: Yes, the American fellow.
0: Um, He is. That's fan... So before... Sorry,
1: that... That Go on, carry, no, carry on, because I was going to say how... I'll mention it in a minute.
0: So before that race started, Addy approached him and was like, wear my shoes, and he showed him the shoes, and Jesse Owens said, I'm either going to run in these shoes or barefoot. So Jesse Owens ran in Adidas shoes.
1: And then he won. And then he won.
0: And then he won. He won gold.
1: Yeah, he won gold. And just, just as a... How hilarious it is. Hitler had been, like, for near on a decade uh, banging on about how amazing, actually no, it hadn't been a decade it'd been, it'd been a few years though, he'd been banging on about how amazing the Aryan people are, how like we are the superior race like no one can match us and yet, <laughs> as far as he was concerned, uh, he lost to a black man who he would have put at the bottom yeah. of the list and it's like it's hilarious and could you imagine the shock at people
0: he was the biggest middle finger
1: to Absolutely. And you're thinking, oh, look at this Joker. Hold on. A what, why is he in front? He is in he is in front. He is he's won. Oh my god. <laughs> can you imagine the shock? And Hitler apparently was yeah. furious.
0: Oh yeah. But what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> you lost Anyway. Both brothers survived the war and after this Rudolf becomes convinced that Addy told the Americans he was a Nazi to get him arrested. <laughs> So <laughs> As you would, you'd be fucking pissed off about this. What so a fucking that's well, that
1: something a sibling would do, though, isn't it? The ultimate prank.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was a Nazi. get him. <laughs> This split the family down the middle, and Addy had Adidas, and Rudolph went to the other side of the river of the town and founded Puma. They gave the employees the choice of who to work for, and to cross the river after this and to be seen working for the opposing company was seen as treacherous. Adidas is named shoemaker of the nation, and Germany win their first World Cup wearing their shoes. And even today, the German national team remains firmly team Adidas. I'm actually wearing a, a German top right now. Its oh, top. represent! And at the end of the s- represent, and at the end of the sixties, Adidas was the biggest sports manufacturer in the world. Puma is its only real competitor, or was, should I say? I'm sure I'm not. to say about it now. This bred a new type of sports marketing where both companies would bribe athletes to wear their merchandise. Nowadays, that's just called sponsorship. And the two company headquarters still actually remain in the same town that the beef started. And Adi did not attend Rudolph's funeral when he passed away. Wow. Jesse Owens wore Adidas when he won gold. And Usain Bolt wore Puma when he broke the world record.
1: Oh, that's clever. That's cool. I like that.
0: But I just find it hilarious that these two brothers have literally divided this fucking town completely down the middle. And Adidas and Puma hate each other. I think Adidas is the bigger brand.
1: I would so. have said, yeah.
0: But Puma stuff's nice, I guess. There's also um Aldi and Lidl. I don't think they get on.
1: Oh, Aldi.
0: because mm, that's German they're German companies as well.
1: They are. They are. I was in a Lidl today actually. Their bakery's fantastic.
0: Lidl Bakery is unrivaled. So good.
1: <laughs> it is arguably better than Greg's. Steady. Except, well, oh, no no. Well, I I, I I will caveat that with um. Greg's is better for hot baked goods. Okay. Uh, like, like pasties and sausage rolls. Mm. I am going to put my. I'm going to die on this hill. Lidl's confectionery. Like they're, they're, they're sweet uh, baked goods. The donuts, like the donuts. Really nice. yeah. Donuts, yum yums, uh, pretzels, all those things. Top notch. Better than anything.
0: Yeah. We, we've said some controversial stuff over the past 50 minutes. We certainly that have. That might be the one that gets us cancelled. Well, we actually had. Uh, I
1: I like. I enjoy sharing these with the listeners because I, I I think it's um, you guys are about as much as part of the show as we are, of course. Like we've mentioned before, you guys, uh, you guys, uh, without you guys, you pay you pay for this show. You have done. You've paid for this show. Its distribution uh, for the, the for the past year. So it's your show as well as it is ours. So I do find it funny to uh, let you in on these things. But um, we we had a comment on one of our one of these platforms that we we just don't use, but we're on it, apparently, to listen to the show. Uh, someone listened to the Derek Acora episode and then decided to comment on it, uh, saying, uh, oh, I, oh, I can't remember. but she, Basically, she didn't like it, I don't think, because she just was like, no, I'm done. Thank you. Goodbye.
0: Yeah. I mean, she was clearly some sort of paranormal follower and really believes Derek Acora I mean... Yeah. Uh, goodbye. Like... Ugh. <laughs> I don't care i just no, don't I, care
1: i enjoy the comments I, I enjoy we had one listener who didn't like the banter he said there was too much banter
0: yeah but without the banter i'd get bored yeah and no one wants yeah. that
1: uh, uh, although we have been referred to uh not referred to we've been uh compared to all killer no filler which is a fantastic podcast um but not as funny <laughs> who the
0: fuck said that
1: i <laughs> Can't remember, but it was a little while ago. I think Someone it might be an iTunes step comment. It might what? be an iTunes comment, but they were like, "This, this, this podcast is like all killer, no all killer, no filler, but not as funny." Now, oh, I that's don't such care. a backhanded
0: compliment.
1: I know it is, isn't it? But I'm going to take it as a compliment because all killer no filler is written one by two fantastic comedians, so of course it's going to be funny. I'm not a comedian. I'm just some idiot in Essex, <laughs> um. So what i will take away from it is that we're about as informative as one of those podcasts so that's all i'm taking from it
0: yeah that, i guess that'd be like
1: saying james you're a rubbish astronaut you're terrible you know you're absolutely rubbish as an
0: astronaut goes you are shit good i don't care i mean astronaut. you say that but like the fuck the the competitive side of me now is like fuck you i'm going to go to space and be the best <laughs> astronaut anyone's ever seen <laughs> yeah yeah (laughs) i only ever do things well out of spite i never do it for any other reason
1: (laughs) i like that i only live because just just to make everyone else's day worse
0: (laughs) yeah just to prove everyone else wrong you can't do that fuck yeah i can
1: um on the comment thing uh if any of you guys uh would like to uh comment share or uh review the podcast please do so um the funnier the better honestly because i enjoy reading the comments and the reviews because some of them are funny uh so yeah please go ahead and do that if you're listening to us on spotify uh do the little five star rating it takes like not even two seconds You just click it boom done um if you'd like to support the show you can definitely do so you can always do that on our ko-fi page cheeky little donation there um all to help the show grow uh and to continue uh having this show distributed in the way it is um uh, little update on where we are. Uh, next week is going to be a regular episode by myself, but um just so we know, Mormons is on the way. I've said this a couple <laughs> of times, I've been teasing it. Mormons is on the way. Part one is currently finished. Uh, this is looking to be a three parter, and I'm currently working on part two. But I want to have it. Mormons are all... coming. The Mormons are coming. Oh my God, the Mormons are coming knocking on your door. Um,. I want to have it finished, uh, and then we'll just have it all out done in uh, two sittings or something, and we'll get it done. I mean, what's hilarious
0: about that episode is that I think Rowan messaged us. I was at the pub, and I was talking. Just I was on our. I shouldn't be giving our passwords, but I was drunk, and I was just messaging. And I think I ended up saying that I was going to do it as an apology for messaging her while while drunk. (laughs) And now I've I just I, I I just completely didn't want to, and now Ryan's doing it instead. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah and it's it, it's long it's proving difficult but I have some amazing help um, but yeah that's where we're at uh, next week I d- I'm not entirely sure who I'm going to do I think I may do Gandhi
0: you're going to do what you can't just be like I'm just going to do a little filler episode Gandhi well that makes yeah. no sense
1: yeah next episode's going to be Gandhi I've just made my mind up I've said it on the I've Matt, said it on the pod it's done
0: that's when I was like oh I don't really know who to do oh fuck it Epstein
1: <laughs> yeah uh, all right. So there you go uh, listeners. Next episode uh, it's going to be about I Ma- I'm sure his name's Mahatma Gandhi but um we'll do Gandhi. Yeah. That's going to be a controversial one. It certainly is. They, all right everyone.
0: everyone. Um thank you man. I really enjoyed that uh, story. Um so did I. I think I I just uh, I'll edit this one. I'll get rid of some stuff. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, like I said earlier, please do uh, rate review the show. It does massively help the show grow. I do think it's underestimated how much just chucking in a review like a five star uh, helps uh, because it it gets it shown to other people. And of course, if you enjoy the show and you'd like us to continue doing the show, the way that we do that is by getting it out to more and more people. And the more people listen to it, um, the more opportunities we get to uh, grow and do other things um, that we have in our heads so yeah thank you very much for listening everyone uh, feel free to uh, support the show and uh, join us on the next episode where we're talking about uh, Gandhi
0: Fun. see you then Tra.